0: Hey, not far from the newly renamed Santa Springs Amusement Park right here in the mid-Midwest, you've got Life's Learning Curve. I'm former educator and current media producer Paul Hart, your host. Our podcast is about finding the best us, us. getting better, and we do that through reflection and through storytelling. This episode connects several visits to a tropical place that I do love. But I've had several bumps in the road when traveling there. Now, if I share these tales with you on Life's Learning Curve, then just maybe, just maybe, you will not have this happen to you. Let's get this going. Sebastian. Life's Learning Curve with Paul Hart. Episode St. Martin Bunko. Stand by. My family found the small island of St. Martin in the Caribbean when taking a cruise. My father-in-law, Fred, had bought a timeshare at a resort on the Dutch side of the island called Oyster Bay Resort. And that's the real name of the place because it's always been a great and wonderful place for us. When our cruise ship landed on St. Martin... We rented a car. This is the first time we'd ever seen this place. We circumnavigated the island and found the island not only tropical and calypso-like, but the resort itself, after we found it by car, it was amazing. It was very clean. It was very calming and tranquil. Yeah, I needed that. And it was the first infinity pool I'd ever seen. Well, I had seen some in magazines, but in person. And that's where you have um, a pool... And the edge of the pool looks as if it continues off into the sea, into the Caribbean Sea. And if you did not care for the pool, the beach was less than a few feet away. The resort was small and friendly. Flowers were abundant everywhere. Great smells. And the staff was very attentive. This is the type of people that went on property at the resort. They always remembered your name. and called you Mr. Hart or hello Mr. Hart or whatever. Nice. Now, my father-in-law, Fred, had bought this timeshare not to really use it, but to be used as a trader. To be used only to trade for, to somebody else who wanted to come here in the timeshare club that he belonged in. But after we discovered the beauty of this place, we began to rent it from my father-in-law, Fred, on occasion. And this made a trip to St. Martin very affordable to us middle-classers from the mid-midwest. I gotta tell you we even made good friends with a wonderful upbeat fun Cynthia. kind Oyster Bay attendant named Cynthia we saw her every day and to this day she remains a Facebook friend and she is an information getter for me for the island of St. Martin she's the heart of what this tropical island really is all about St. Martin is approximately 34 square miles and has a dividing line. One half of this small island is Dutch and one half is French. Our resort straddled that line on the Dutch side. So across the bay we could see the French side. We'd say, oh, there's France every morning when we'd look out our window. But we always traveled there in December. That was the time that my father-in-law had this timeshare. The weather consistently at that time of year had a slight, very gentle, just barely touching you breeze. With temperatures hovering around 83 degrees and no humidity issues. Mm. Just wonderful weather. The Tombstone. To leave the United States of America is an adjustment to all people. And I'll tell you what, all people need to leave the United States to understand how good we have things. We have a good thing here, and many other governments don't always have these same freedoms. To understand this, St. Martin, although beautiful, has this unseen underbelly that can harken back to the days of pirates, the days of conmen, and just plain old thievery. Many of the people of St. Martin respect the United States of America and a lot of them want to be U.S. citizens or at least travel here to see what it's like. Now, here's a true story about all this. This happened to me when I was in St. Martin with my family. I do not use my credit card when I'm traveling, especially out of the country, because well, being ripped off is not fun if it happens, right? Right. Until one evening. It was a Probably the third or fourth day on the island, and we decided to have dinner out. So we went to this small, simple restaurant just over the border on the French side called Mangare, which is a made up name for the podcast. As our family of four drove east with the beautiful, tall, flowered, fragrant cliffs to the north and the beautiful Caribbean sea reflecting the sunlight to the south, I was an optimistic naive tourist. And I had no idea that day what was about to take place. I had forgotten my cash back at the resort. And when the clerk came to bring us our bill, I had no other option. I had no cash. I would have to pay with my credit card. (sighs) Okay. However, I did not get ripped off. I had nothing stolen from me but my identity. Apparently there's this man named Raphael Minson, made up name, aspired to be a U.S. citizen all his life. And in his golden years, he finally got his chance. He worked at the Mangare restaurant and he lifted my credit card number and he didn't buy anything with it, but he used it as an ID to apply for his citizenship of the United States. Well, that didn't happen. It was... There wasn't enough ID to prove it was me, but in Saint Martin, Raphael had his name changed to mine. He became Paul Hart, the name on the credit card. <laughs>
1: I am American.
0: and he lived out the next three, his final months of his life, as Paul Hart on the island of Saint Martin, until he died. Now I never knew all this was, you know, transpiring. I, I you know, I didn't lose my credit card. I still had it. But I didn't know that this was going on in St. Martin until I tried filing my taxes the next year. And I was told by the IRS that I was deceased.
1: Oh, I'm sorry? I was deceased. You're deceased? At
0: least in the U.S. government's mind for about two weeks, though, after that. Why? Well, in Illinois, a young go-getter, up-and-coming state's attorney helped clear things up for me. After It took about three weeks or so. But this adventure did end with a kind of morbid epilogue. That state's attorney, the young up-and-coming one that gave me my deceasedness back, told me that if I go back to that Caribbean island of St. Martin, that somewhere on that property, on that island, I'm buried on the French side. Well, Raphael is buried there. And if I ever went back there, I could uh, most likely find my own tombstone. What? Never did that. Rest in peace, poor heart of St. Martin Jet blast to the face St. <laughs> Martin is that place you see in these photos and videos of people Holding on to a chain link fence on Maho Beach Where the airport main runway is about 200 feet away from the blasts of powerful jet engines so drill seekers and just plain idiots stand holding on to the airport fence as the jet planes get into position and sit idle, just about ready to thrust up to full power in order to take off. Now, frequently the hot jet blast propels people off the fence ah! and into cement blocks or it rolls them down to the beach or into the water. It just sends them flailing. Small children know. Don't do it. But I've seen them go flying in all directions. I have been close enough to this beach to even not be on that chain link fence, but I know that the jet engine propels beach sand at an extreme velocity. Sand propelled at high speed feels like glass cutting into your skin at a very high speed and great velocity. This adventure is encouraged by those thick-witted ass night adventure seekers that also do not mind dodging trains when they're back in the US. Just don't do it. Philipsburg Going to St. Martin in December finds the locals downtown shopping in the Dutch capital city of Philipsburg. Here's where shoppers can find knockoff watches, knockoff jewelry, odd brand names, similar to the real thing, similar to the real logos even, but slightly different. Like a Rolex watch instead of Rolex, or Gibson guitar instead of Gibson guitar. My son and I always laugh because we found drums called Duracell. It's an American name. People will buy drums or a guitar with an American name on them, like Duracell. Or we saw some instruments called a Zippo, like the lighters in America, made in America. Zippo. Keyboards. Don't feed the cats. Lizards and wild feral cats abound on the island. And one time, there was this pretty mixed-breed female cat that walked into our balcony area... At the resort. It kept its distance from us. It didn't really like people. It was feral. We had some leftover tuna, and we put it on a plate just a little bit, and we left it on the balcony. The next day, the cat returned, but with about four of her feral kittens. Once again, ignorant. Admittedly. We put our leftover tuna on a plate and left it outdoors. It had been sitting in our refrigerator, and they might as well have it. That's what we thought. We thought. We did this for the remainder of our week there. And after returning home to the mid-Midwest, I was looking around online. I happened to check in at the resort website, you know, just to, oh, we were there last week, to see a photo of the next tenant who got our room. And they had posted a picture where a gaggle of feral cats were hungry and they could be seen literally crawling up the screen. They're now on the screen, climbing the screen, screen door, trying to get in on the porch. And it was our room, our old room from the week before, demanding food. More tuna! Learned a valuable lesson that wild cats are just that. They're wild. They need to get their own food in their own way. Now, if you watch the video side of the podcast on YouTube, there's a video side. You can see the photos our photos of the cats visiting compared to the next tenant's cat photos for the next week. Crawl on the screen. Search YouTube for Life's Learning Curve. Meow. To break in. The last time my family was in St. Martin, about five months before then, they had had a pretty bad hurricane. And when there's a hurricane, people do sail to the island or they fly to the island to repair things, to rebuild things, to bring in lumber, etc., but sometimes it also brings pirates, con men, and some sketchy characters to pose as builders or rebuilders. And unfortunately, oftentimes they remain on the island to see what they can get from the locals and from the tourists. Now, some of these guys even figured out how to become police officers. That's not good. Now, no one was really safe from this, and. Once again, I realized just why the United States remains a unique and very safe place to live, you know, in general. So one day in St. Martin, while driving the perimeter of the island, in a beautiful, very small port town on the French side called, I think it's pronounced Grand-Casse, Grand-Casse. So we're in Grand-Casse, small town, French side. Now, when in St. Martin on vacation, when I exit my vehicle, my rental car, I never leave anything behind, ever. Even in a locked car. I shoot a lot of video, I've always done this, so I wear my camera and my wallet on me like an added appendage, literally strapped to me. That day, the rest of the car's passengers hid a couple things and put items away out of sight in the car, so if you looked in the window, you wouldn't see anything. It's all hidden. I locked the rental car's doors and we were good to go. As you can probably tell from all my foreshadowing, something happened to the car. A break in. in. After we returned to the car after about a half hour from the small cafe, we found our rental car and found damage. We found a lot of damage. I saw that the driver's door lock had literally been ripped and torn and destroyed. By somebody had stuck a screwdriver or something in there. And on the passenger side, yeah, there was a screwdriver still sticking in the handle. Stuck. It was like stuck in the side. that They couldn't break that lock, but they couldn't get their screwdriver back. So every lock in this car, including the trunk, all the locks were mangled. All locks were destroyed. Now, all the personal items that had been left in the car, hidden, out of sight, had been found and taken. Because I took everything I treasured with me, I had nothing taken but my rights. Rights forbidden in this very different foreign island. That day, at that time, many locals came out to just stand there and watch the Americans flounder around their broken-into rental car. The locals would not answer our questions.
1: Did you see
0: anyone break in?
1: No, I've not See
0: nothing. Did somebody see a break-in, or who did this? No. They most likely knew who took our stuff, and it was 34. probably the people standing Detected there watching bomb. us that were most likely the ones who broke into our car. Me. Our car Whoa. door locks were mangled. They were destroyed. It, it was with just 18, a screwdriver. How did I know? Like I said, the screwdriver was still sticking in the pasture side, jammed into a door lock. Feeling very uncomfortable and feeling very unsafe. We called the police who arrived much later, about 45 minutes later, on horseback. And after the two officers clickety-clacked slowly down the street where our car was parked, we told the two officers what had happened. And the taller officer said... Oh, uh, what you want me to do? I, your
1: items are gone now, you know. Uh, they probably wrapped for someone's holiday gift by now.
0: Now, I'm not mocking or making fun of that language. It was nice that that person could speak a little bit English enough to understand. So that's kind of how it came out. The officers seemed to be confused that we were so bothered and we were told that maybe we should leave and take our complaint of theft to the French police station on the French side, which we were on the French side. Fortunately, it was just a few miles down the road. They would call ahead and a detective would meet us there. Detective Falplau. The French police station was in an unlabeled building uh, that looked a lot like a vacant building to me. There was no signs, there was no parking, it was like a building that was just put somewhere. My imagination ran wild, I, I didn't know what was going on, anything could happen here. This was not the good old United States of America. I thought to myself that this very easily could be a vacant building where someone could be setting us up to rob us or attack us, but I cautiously inched inside and took a seat. And after feeling safe, Hello. my family came in as well. And we waited for about an hour when is this guy coming? for someone to show up when a detective did show up. Bonjour. He spoke French and a small bit of English, just like the police officers on horseback. He set down his nameplate on the table where I sat. It read, Detective Falow. Detective Farplow was somewhat suspicious of us, and he told me that. He said he didn't like Americans, and he didn't like tourists. I didn't want to be the ugly American. The ugly American is the one who travels and complains, and because it's not to your liking, or things are different. But, you know, that's why you travel. You travel because you want to see some different things. You want to go through an adventure that... Is not like home. Not typical. When he spoke to us, Detective Falplau literally looked down his nose at us. This is where you tilt. He tilted his head way back, and like you know, it's like he's above us, as if we were the lowest scum people on earth. Well, maybe to him, Americans were. Life had already taught me that this was no more than a psychological ploy to intimidate. I wanted Detective Fallplow to feel what I was feeling, you know, kind of helpless, and there was a language barrier, and it, things were just not going well. Now, no one likes being talked down to. However, I needed to handle this in a way that my family and I wouldn't have reason to regret our actions.
1: Huh, do I know you not do this?
0: Well, it's a rental car, and... I need to use the rental car while I'm here. I don't want to destroy the car. I want to keep things inside safe, so I wouldn't destroy the car just to destroy it. I need the car and I need the locks to work. How you know the screwdriver, how oh, you say, um, broke the locks? Broke the locks. Well, uh, Detective, the screwdriver is still stuck in the car lock on the passenger side. When we return, it's still there. It's still stuck in the door right now. You go out and look. What?
1: Uh, took, what, what took?
0: My daughter's purse, my son's watch, my wife's smartphone and a camera. You did this. No, I didn't. How I know. He continued like this until I persuaded him just to write a report so we could submit it to our insurance company for insurance purposes. Detective fablo realized that I would not create a case for his police officers to investigate. I just needed a report. No case, that so our choice to stop and eat at a Queen cafe on the fresh side of St. Martin, in the small town of Grand Cass, had been a poor decision. After reporting the crime and the damage done to the car to our rental car company, which said, well, if it still drives, continue to drive it. You just can't use the locks. That night, I tried hard to unwind from that theft. But what I didn't know was that the very next day, that day, would surpass the trauma of our grand cast experience. The old switcheroo. (laughs) The next day was Christmas Eve. Largely Catholic, the people of of the beautiful lush tropical island of St. Martin seemed to do most of their shopping on Christmas Eve. We motored downtown to Philipsburg on the Dutch side. It was the Dutch side capital. To watch all the shoppers, to scout out deals and people watch. Interesting. So I parked the car, legally. Uh, We had no usable locks for the doors of the car. They had been destroyed the day before. So we carried everything with us that we had brought, which was nothing. I parked my now beat up rental car legally between signs on a pole that read parking allowed between signs. I did that. We walked around the quaint Caribbean town and we saw what I consider to be the good people, the real people of the island, the locals. After one hour, we found our way back to the car. Where is it? The rental car's gone. It's gone. Whoa. It was gone. What? And there was another car parked where mine had been. What's going on? A nearby store owner kind of stumbled out to tell us that we had been towed. And that our car was gone. It's gone, he said. It's gone. You can see that. Did you see anything? Uh, Did... You called the police on us where we parked illegally? It had been a legal place to park when I parked the car. But no, it's not a legal place to park anymore. The shop owner was honest and shared that the police took the legal to park sign, unscrewed it off the light pole, and then towed the car. The old sign switcheroo. We are not in America, I mumbled under my breath. I had parked the car legally between the signs on the light pole. Now carless. On foot, we walked to the Dutch side police station, only a few blocks away, and we went inside, and we talked to a woman inside who was taking in large amounts of cash at her window in the police station. Her nameplate read Sarah Jean. She listened, but we were largely ignored when I got to my front of the line. Sarah Jean spoke English, and in a few words said, You sit. The police station was thick with people that day, and some tourists, and there were some locals in there. Two hours passed with us in the police station. Sarah Jean, the lady at the window, finally called my name. Hart, you pay $40. I paid my towing fee. Cash, of course. But I was wrong. <laughs> I found out that this was not a towing fee, but rather it was her cut of the take from that day. The police department had their legal money-making sign switching con in place and we were helpless to help ourselves. Bunko. It took us a while to determine that the local police had their own little bunko scheme going yeah. to acquire extra money from the tourists. Braun. That's me. Griffin. I just paid the counter girl, Sarah. Jean, Forty smacks, her cut of the money from the con, all to get our lockless rental car back. After hours, seeming like hours of being ignored, uh, realistically, let me try and think, it was probably an hour and a half, something like that, finally Sarah Jean spoke to me. Hart, go outside and wait. I did. Within a minute, I heard a noisy car coming up the street. What? this? It was for me. The noisy car skidded around a corner and rumbled up to the police station, spewing this thick, black, polluting emission from the tailpipe and sporting rear tires too big for the wheel rims. The tires were actually being shredded because the tires were a tight fit. They obviously had just come from another car. I was even more surprised when an 11-year-old boy got out of the driver's seat and yelled, Get in. I take you to your car! Solo, I got in, and soon we were propelled deep into the dense center of the island, a place tourists don't go. I soon realized that we are traveling to a place where maybe nobody goes. It was hot, it was tree-filled, and people-less... Farther into the middle of the island we drove, I felt more and more anxious. As the dirt road became two tire tracks and then the tire tracks disappeared and we were just driving and skidding over an overgrown field of rocks and seagrass. Further and further we drove, to the island's core. At this point, I knew I was on an adventure. An adventure from which I might not ever come back, you know. (laughs) There are bad adventures and good adventures. Hot, dank, no breeze, the 11-year-old driver skidded to a stop at a high-walled, remote jungle junkyard in the middle of, well, dense, tropical nowhere. When the Talton Gate was opened, I saw a junkyard, and up front there sat about 16 cars that had all been towed there that day. They were all rentals. How about that? I spotted my beat-up, lock-destroyed rental car. It was right out front. (laughs) But now I saw that its front bumper was disattached. What do I do now? I asked the 11-year-old boy. He pointed at the makeshift office, and then he jumped through the car's open window into the oversized rear-wheeled car, and he shot dust, rocks, and dirt up into the air as the back tires skidded and spun And that car disappeared into the jungle It went the other way I have to admit I was kind of nervous At this point What was coming I walked up three Four steps into a makeshift Office And at this point I expected anything I had this ominous feeling that I was about to meet The worst part of my day Hello. Like it could get worse but yeah it could Soon, a man emerged from the back room.
1: Hello. Bad day in town, right? Yeah. I said, Yesterday and today. Yesterday, people
0: used a screwdriver to break out the locks of my car on the front side over there, and they stole my family's
1: stuff and... No joke, eh? I'm Aubrey Millens, originally from St. Croix.
0: Relaxing now that I realized that I wasn't going to be hurt or killed or robbed or something... I said, Hi, Aubrey. Now, today, my car gets towed. It disappeared. I parked legally.
1: It kind of makes you not want to come back to St. Martin, huh? Yeah. You're right.
0: Now, before me stood a man named Aubrey, wearing a sweat-stained off-white suit. True. Why he's wearing a suit in the middle of the jungle, I have no idea. He was sweaty from the heat and, and and the warmth that existed in the center of the island where there was no breeze, no onshore breezes. It was hot the farther
1: inland you went.
0: He was disturbed at what he found himself doing for a living.
1: I've just about had it myself. I've lived here fifteen years and the government's getting more and more corrupt. They tow in fifteen cars here every day this time of year. At 300 smacks, a car they make about $4,500 a day. Extra for the governor of the island. Really?
0: Whoa, what, really? I gotta pay $300 to get my car back? More, what? (laughs)
1: I understand. There's a lot of deception. There's a lot of lying. It's too much for me. You know what? Mm, That's it. I'm leaving. I'm leaving here tomorrow. Tomorrow. Tonight. Whatever. This just ain't right. I've been thinking about it.
0: He turned around and he retrieved my rental car keys and he handed them kindly to me.
1: Nothing. You owe nothing. Why? Because I quit. You seem to be a decent man. For 30 bucks a day, that's what I get. I'd rather take my chances and leave. I got family in St. Croix. Come on. Thank you.
0: And with that, Aubrey walked me out to my beat up, lock busted, bumper dropped car. We shook hands, and then Aubrey seemed to vanish behind the outer high back tin wall. I got in my rental car. I started it up. Good, it was running. But I detected a slight new rattle. Doesn't surprise me. Actually, I felt bad for the car. (laughs) But not as bad as I felt for Aubrey. To escape the island, he would have to steal away and make his escape in the middle of the night. Otherwise, the local police would be after him. and I don't know what they'd do to him. Yes, I had an adventure outside the typical tourist norm my family and I had survived a possible bad situation but at the end of the adventure I found Aubrey of St. Croix a kind man with ethics living in an unethical island environment you know at first I thought that common criminals on that first break in to my car had broken into my rental car but the next day I realized that An elaborate organized crime con created by the island leftovers from the last hurricane. The hangers-on. The non-island people were actually ruining it for the local, honest, decent people of St. Martin, like our Oyster Bay Resort attendant, Cynthia. So what did we learn from all of this? What did I learn? Well... As much of a paradise as St. Martin is to me and to many others, it has its own dark side, its own underbelly, and it is not the United States of America. We cannot go there and expect sameness. Hey, that's why we travel, as I said, to get away and to find something different. Well, hopefully, something legal, one of a kind, something diverse, have an adventure. Now, 10 years ago, St. Martin did have common laws, but they were not being enforced. That's when the story took place. But rather, they were exploiting people. Ten years back is different than present-day St. Martin. Better? Worse? Well, I'll tell you what. I trust my island friend Cynthia to let me know. Now, would I go back there again? Absolutely, I would. Because over 10 years has passed and governments change, politicians change. But even 10 years back, there was still good and the good still outweighed the bad. You know, I realize on this podcast episode, I've been talking about the bad adventures that happened to me. But I gotta do one that talks about the great things about St. Martin as well. And there's plenty of them, they far outweigh the bad. I'm still optimistic. <laughs> For Life's Learning Curve, I'm Paul Hart. Subscribe to Life's Learning Curve at lifeslearningcurve.org and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser. Episode 56, St. Martin Bunko of Life's Learning Curve Podcast was put together by producer Sebastian T. Dog, executive producer Paul Hart, audio and sound as always, Riley Hart. This episode has imaginative voice recreations. To protect the privacy of others, some names have been changed and characters conflated. St. Martin Bunko, episode 56. I'm Paul Hart, and we will be back soon with more stories from the archives of our life right here on Life's Learning Curve.